Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we are going to finish up the book of Exodus. We have gone from approximately Exodus 19 uh, all the way up through the very end here at Exodus chapter 40. This is the last chapter in the book. Uh, I've learned so much from just going through this study of the second book of the Torah. Um, The Torah consists of the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those books are also known as the Law of Moses or the Mosaic Law, um, which outlines pretty much who God is. He instructed the Israelites, his people, how to live. And, um, you know, in today's uh, modern society, these seem like very antiquated ideas. But frankly, uh, just studying the little bit of the law that they get into, we get into in the book of Exodus itself, there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of um, roots for our very own modern day laws that are found in the Mosaic Law, which is very interesting. For example, the different degrees of punishment for different types of murder, if you will, going from premeditated murder to manslaughter. Um, and, you know, and many, many, many other similarities between, again, the Mosaic Law and today's modern laws. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because God's law is perfect. And although we are no longer subject to the law because Jesus came and fulfilled the law, thank God, um, it is wise to look back and to familiarize ourselves with who God is and exactly what he expects of us and how he commands us to live again. This isn't optional. This is who God is. And if we are his children and he is our Lord, it's very easy to call Jesus our savior, praise him for being that. But a lot of people don't want him to be Lord of their life. You know, they don't want to let allow him to be the king of their heart. But we all have a throne in our hearts in which someone sits and most people choose to allow themselves to be the one that sits on the throne of their heart but what they're really choosing is actually the evil one satanic influence because rebellion against god is evil and when you choose your own ways over god's ways you're essentially rebelling against god and you're under demonic influence it's a scary reality when you think about it the spiritual implication of that but it's a very real reality as well so we must just understand that jesus christ again he came to be our savior and the lord of our lives that's why when we get saved when we confess that jesus christ is lord with our mouth believe it in our heart our heart being our very core being of our character um it's who we are you know our hearts go from being evil to converted to not good because there's only one good and he's in heaven that's the father jesus and jesus himself said that but what we can all agree on and what we can say is when that holy spirit comes into our lives and, and dwells in us then 
our chains of sin are broken, the bondage of sin that we that we live under when we're born into sin under the curse of Adam. Again, Adam was the first man, Jesus was the last man, meaning Adam introduced sin into basically us because of his rebellion and that's what we're born into, but Glory be to God. He had a plan from the very beginning in Genesis 3 when he goes over and talks about how the um, enemy will bruise his head or excuse me, bruise his heel, but Jesus will crush his head. That's exactly what Jesus did. It being the last man, the last Adam, if you will. Um, And that death and resurrection on the cross conquered sin and death it's amazing absolutely amazing the spiritual implications of everything that's described in the bible are absolutely mind-blowing when you really start to wrap your mind around it and live as a child of god but really the spiritual implications of everything jesus taught that is something that really takes you to a new level of understanding of who God is when you really start to study, have an open heart, and the Lord shows you when we're full of the Holy Spirit, the Lord shows us those spiritual truths and the depths upon which we build our lives on. And the amazing plan, again, of Jesus Christ leaving heaven leaving his divine appointment and coming down here on the earth in the form of a man 100% God 100% man going through all the trials and tribulations we can ever face in life and then being obedient unto death fulfilling the father's purpose for his life perfectly and to get back to Exodus, completely fulfilling the law. We are no longer subject to the law. Again, the law, the only purpose of the law was for God to show us that we need a savior. Everything points to Jesus in the Bible and the law pointed us to the fact that we're not perfect. We never will be. We cannot be, but there's one that was perfect, Jesus Christ. And what he did in fulfilling that law was brought us to a point in which when we fully yield every area of our lives to God he can fully use us to do anything on this earth and fulfill our purpose in the kingdom of God it's amazing when you think about the fact that the church is the we are the representatives of Jesus Christ and of God himself and the kingdom of God on this earth. That's why Jesus gave us the great commission. He said, go out, preach my gospel to all the world. He didn't, one of my favorite pastors, Greg Laurie, you know, he has a good saying. Jesus didn't say, have the world come into the church. Jesus said, the church has to go out into the world and evangelize. The church is our hospital. It's our spiritual place where we go, recover, recoup, recharge spiritually. But then when we go out into the world, we're not called to be of the world. We are different. We are called to a different purpose. 
We are called to go out and preach the gospel as the Holy Spirit leads us with love being our first and foremost motivation for everything we do and being led by the Holy Spirit. The word of God is how we get to know the Lord. Again, Jesus, you know, he's obviously not here physically, but he's here spiritually. He's here in the Holy Spirit. He's also this living word of God that we study is our way of seeing, hearing, and touching God himself. Some people think because of the, you know, foolishness of the flesh that, oh, if Jesus was here, you know, they would do anything. Well, he is here. He's right here. But without faith, it doesn't matter. (laughs) The world asks for signs and wonders, yet they still don't believe for good reason. Because it's cheap. It's fleshly. It's empty. Seeing with your physical eyes, hearing with your ears, and touching with your hands, and all those other senses, they have absolutely zero impact on your spiritual life. It's a very deep mystery to me how and why some of us hear the Lord and most reject the Lord. But it does make sense when you think about it. Because the way of man and the corruption of Adam and the corruption of sin causes rebellion. And the last thing people want to do is yield their lives. Even a lot of people in what the, you know, what we call the church these days, a lot of the church does, they don't want to yield to the Lord and they suffer the consequences. They wonder why they can't get over a certain sin in their life. Well, have you really committed every area of your life to the Lord? Because if you have, I can personally testify to the truth and reality that no matter what you think you're caught up in, no matter what bondage or chains of sin are trying to hold you down and back from serving the Lord, if you fully yield yourself to the Lord, He is more powerful than any principality or power of darkness that can come against you. Put on the whole armor of God every day. It's important, you know, as I think about it. Um... You know, every day almost for me is like Groundhog Day, if you will. It's like I live the same thing almost. I wake up, I pray, I say almost the same prayer every morning with the foundations being repentance, putting on the whole armor of God, rebuking the world, the flesh, and the devil. And um, and then I go about my day, whatever the day may entail. You know, of, of course, obviously every day is different, but... In my being, in my core, who I am is not my own ways and my own will, but the ways of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in my being is that indwelling Holy Spirit that is just guiding me and leading me. Getting back to the Word of God, that is the light that lights our path in life and shows us where to go. And... I'll tell you, it's amazing to me how you can take one small step of faith and God can bless you and show you things that you would never know or have experienced if you didn't take that small step. For me personally, in my own life right now, I can tell you God nudged me in a direction to go basically to to answer my prayer. I've been praying for God to put a godly woman in my life that I can love 
um, for a long time. And I waited patiently. I prayed. And one morning I woke up and God just said, do this. So I reluctantly and hesitantly um, signed up for a certain app, a Christian dating app. And um, the first day, (laughs) the first day, pretty much, I met the love of my life. And you talk about just incredible, absolutely amazing. But I mean, if I never have if I didn't listen to the Lord and I didn't have him in my life and if I wasn't fully yielded to him that would have never have happened but I've been shown a whole new side of life I've been showed uh, just an amazing depth of life, love, care that I never even knew existed I've never experienced in my life but by the good grace of God he loves his children he blesses us with good things in his time he doesn't always give us what we want when we want it but you better believe he always gives us what we need when we need it so um with all that said let's finish up the book of exodus it's a pretty brief chapter we're going to look at exodus chapter 40 we're going to look at the tabernacle where it is actually erected and arranged and then the cloud and the glory So, picking up at Exodus, oh, actually, (laughs) let me actually cut off the intro. Sorry, my head's a little clouded now that I'm thinking about Neil Moore, but let me um, say, let's continue our look at the Law of Moses, also known as the Mosaic Law, as we conclude Exodus by looking at Exodus chapter 40. And like I said, we are going to look now in Exodus. We're at the very last chapter, Exodus 40. First, we're going to look at Exodus 40, verses 1 through 33, where my Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Bible subtitles this section, The Tabernacle Erected and Arranged. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall put in the Ark of the Testimony, and partition off the Ark with the veil. You shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it. And you shall bring in the lampstand and light its lamps. You shall also set the altar of gold for the incense before the Ark of the Testimony and put up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. Then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And you shall set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water in it. You shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen at the court gate. And you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it. And you shall hallow it and all its utensils, and it shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all its utensils, and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be most holy. And you shall anoint the lavir and its base, and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and wash them with water. You shall put in 
excuse me, he shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as you anointed their father, that they may minister to me as priests, for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Thus Moses did, according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. And it came to pass in the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was raised up. So Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set up its boards, put in its bars, and raised up its pillars. And he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark, inserted the poles through the rings of the ark, and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering, and partitioned off the ark of the testimony, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tabernacle of meeting, on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. And he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tabernacle of meeting across from the table on the south side of the tabernacle, and he lit the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the gold altar in the tabernacle of meeting in front of the veil, and he burned sweet incense on it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle, and he put the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and offered upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the levir between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and put water there for washing. And Moses, Aaron, and his sons would wash their hands and their feet with water from it. Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting, and when they came near the altar, they washed, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar, and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. All right, let's look at the notes here for that section quickly, and then we'll move on. The tabernacle is carefully assembled and inaugurated. The offering was prepared and presented to God as a meal, symbolically presenting the best fruits of human living to God to be consumed and used as he desired. Amen. All right, and we're going to finish up Exodus 40 here in verses 34 through 38. Again, my spirit-filled life, New King James Version Bible subtitles this section, The Cloud and the Glory. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. 
But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So pretty amazing stuff there. Basically the presence of God right there in the tabernacle in a visible form of a cloud. So let's look at the notes for that section and then we'll finish up. God's glory filled the tabernacle. Without his glory and presence, the work was not finished and the tabernacle was useless. The central message of Exodus is reiterated. God is personally present in their midst. Amen. So, that's going to conclude our look at Exodus. But quickly, I mean, that's absolutely incredible. And again, the, um, I guess, the symbolic physical things we see here going on and the spiritual implications of the reality we live now in the New Covenant are just absolutely amazing. And the parallels and the consistency of God are really just um, pretty mind-blowing when you think about it. I mean, he is so perfect. Um, when I see and just read about, especially like we are the tabernacle, we are where God dwells. His Holy Spirit anoints us. We have a mark on our forehead saying we are his and no one can come against that. No one, no, no principality, power of darkness. And again, physical people are just people. They're representatives. If they're evil, if they're under satanic influence, they're just doing the work of, the, of Satan. That's a perspective we have to understand. When people attack us, when people come at us, it's not us they're coming after. It's a spirit. Huh? The spiritual realm, like I say, is so much more active than this physical realm. It's like this in my of what I see of what I believe. The spiritual realm is like on real time in, in the spirit. And we are in slow motion because we are subject to time, space, um, you know, the physical realm. So although we may again, our senses are very deceiving. The flesh is completely deceiving. It is very, um, it, it can make us falter in ways that never, we can never anticipate. Again, a little bit of leaven spoils a whole loaf, meaning a little sin you may think you can hold on to or a little thing, quote unquote, little, you have no idea how the, the course upon which that can set you. Uh, the, the very small, again, decisions we make every day comprise our entire life and bring us to the very point we're at today. So don't ever underestimate and don't ever be deceived or fooled. You're only fooling yourself. And God doesn't say stay away from sin because, frankly, he needs you. He says it because he loves you. He says it because he wants you to fulfill your maximum purpose in life that he has for you. But when we have, when we're trying to hold on to things and sin, it's disastrous. It, and God can't work with a, 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 um, a vessel that is broken. I mean, literally think about that. I mean, he gives me a vision of just, if you're, if there's a crack in a vessel and he tries to fill you try to just on human terms, you just try to fill a pot that's broken with water that water's going to leak out. 
It's the same way with God and with his Holy Spirit. He can try to fill us and guide us all day when we're, you know, rebelling essentially. But it's only when we allow him to fully seal up that vessel with him that he can truly fill us with his Holy Spirit. And then we can have so much of that amazing Holy Spirit that it's overflowing to the point of where we need to share it with others. Hence us going out and preaching to all the nations. Um, incredible stuff there. Incredible visualization as far as what God is doing. But all right, that is going to conclude our look at the book of Exodus. Again, I'm so happy and blessed to have gone through this. Uh, we knocked out a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of Exodus in, um, you know, a relatively short amount of time. And I'm very happy again that God put that on my heart to do that. Again, this goes all the way back to my original lesson on Jesus fulfilling the law. I spoke erroneously about what the law was, where it came from. But I thank God that he loves us enough to clarify and teach us and show us exactly who he is in his word always. So, so grateful for that. Thankful and like I said, after this, we're going to get into some New Testament stuff for a little while. Looking forward to some Romans, looking forward to Galatians, and then we will jump back and then look at the book of Leviticus after that. So can't give a timeline, but I'm very excited to just get into the word and keep digging more and more and getting to know God more and more. So until then, God bless and have a great day. Before we leave the book of Exodus, I wanted to quickly look at the introduction to Exodus in my Spirit-Filled Life New King James Version Bible. This is a study Bible that is very thorough. I've had this Bible since I was 20 years old. It's fallen apart. I've had to already make one repair on it. I got to make another repair on it soon. but. It's an absolute honor to have the Word of God being worn out in my hands as I read and get to know Him. Um, but what this is, again, this is a pretty thorough explanation that goes through and just explains exactly uh, the different elements. Um, so they go, they start with describing the author being Moses, the date upon which it was written, gives some background, describes and discusses the content. Um, or then it goes into some personal application for how the book actually relates to us. The Bible also always, this study Bible in particular, always gives a section on Christ revealed. That being, Jesus is throughout the Bible. The whole Bible is revel the revelation of Jesus Christ, concluding with the book of Revelation. Finally, the world seeing who Jesus Christ was. He was always here. I just get chills thinking about it and saying it. But from day one, from the creation, when the triune God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and then on the seventh day they rested. But he was always here. He's always been our savior. He's always given salvation to the nation of Israel. And then he came, he died and rose again. Just as I was saying, Jesus, the law exposes the sin of the Jews. 
Jesus exposed the sin of the world because he was the only perfect man to have ever lived on the face of this earth. And that is absolutely cutting to anyone who doesn't know him and believe him. That's why there's such hatred and vitriol towards the Lord and towards us Christians, his representatives. The world hates us and it's only going to get worse as time goes on. But we have divine protection. And until it's our time to go, we are sealed, protected, and we're, we're walking out his purposes. So, all right. But then the final section here is called the Holy Spirit at work. So let's look at this here. Moses, whose name means drawn out, is the central figure of Exodus. He is the Hebrew prophet who led the Israelites out of Egypt. Exodus is traditionally attributed to him. Four passages in Exodus lend strong support to Moses' authorship of at least most of it. Through various elements and face-to-face, or excuse me, through various events and face-to-face encounters with God, Moses received the revelation of those things God wanted to be known. Then, through the process of Holy Spirit inspiration, Moses communicated this revealed information to the Hebrew people, both orally and in written form. Conservative tradition dates Moses' death sometime around 1400 BC, so the book of Exodus was likely compiled during the 40 years preceding while in the wilderness. Exodus is the continuation of the Genesis account dealing with the development of a small family group of 70 people into a large nation of millions. For 430 years, the Hebrews lived in Egypt, most of the time in bondage. Exodus records Moses' development, Israel's deliverance from their bondage, their trip from Egypt to Mount Sinai to receive God's law, and his, that being the Lord's, instructions on the building of the tabernacle. It ends with the construction of the tabernacle as a dwelling place for God. The book of Exodus can be divided into three major sections. The miraculous deliverance of Israel, chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 13, verse 16. The miraculous journey to Sinai from chapter 13, 17 through chapter 1827 and the miraculous revelations at Sinai chapter 19 1 through chapter 4038 section 1 opens with the Hebrews being oppressed in Egypt like any group under restraint the Hebrews complained their complaint was made not only to their to their captors but to their God God heard their plea and put in motion a plan to deliver them He accomplished this deliverance through selecting a prophet named Moses. Deliverance did not occur instantaneously. It was a process. A considerable considerable amount of time and ten plagues were used to gain the release of the Hebrews from Pharaoh's grip. The plagues accomplished two important things. First, they demonstrated the superiority of the Hebrew God over Egyptian gods And second, they brought freedom to the Hebrews. The second division 
recounts the miraculous journey to Sinai. Four major events occur in this section. First, the Hebrews witness God's miraculous delivering power. Second, they experience firsthand God's ability to provide for his children. Third, they receive protection from their enemy, the Amalekites. Fourth, ruling elders are established to keep peace among the people. These four major events teach one major concept. God has his hand on the lives of his special people. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Since they witnessed his presence and knew the way God worked in their behalf, they could adjust their lives to his way in order to continue receiving his blessings. The final section deals with the miraculous revelations at Sinai. God's deliverance of the people is for the specific purpose of developing a covenant people. This section has three major components. First is the giving of the Ten Commandments, and those instructions that explain in great detail how these commandments are to be expressed in the lives of God's covenant people. The results of living outside this covenant structure are demonstrated by the incident involving the golden calf. Second are instructions concerning the building of a tabernacle and its furniture. Third is the actual construction of the tabernacle, its furnishings, and the dwelling of God's presence in the completed structure. The first concept to be gleaned from the book of Exodus is that God's blessings excuse me, is that God blesses those who remain in a covenant relationship with him. He is their God, and they become his holy people. Second, God explains in great detail what is acceptable to him. And third, God delivers those who find themselves in bondage. The deliverance may not come instantaneously, but it will come to those who wait and make preparation for his deliverance. That deliverance is based upon obedience to God's expressed will and upon moving when he says to move. The children of Israel had to wait until after the Passover meal and the angel of death had passed over. After that, God gave the command to go. Thus, we also must wait, but be ready to move when God commands. Moses is a type of Christ, for he delivers from bondage. Aaron serves as a type for Jesus as the high priest, making intercession at the altar of incense. The Passover indicates that Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain for our redemption. The I Am passages in John's Gospel find their primary source in Exodus. John states that Jesus is the bread of life. Moses speaks of the bread of God in two ways, the manna and the showbread. John tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. In the tabernacle, the lampstand serves as a never-failing light. Hallelujah. Oil in the book of Exodus symbolically represents the Holy Spirit. For example, the anointing oil is a type of the Holy Spirit, which is used to prepare worshipers and priests for godly service. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is listed in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. A parallel list can also be found in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, 
which lists the attributes of God as being merciful, gracious, long-suffering, good, truthful, and forgiving. The most direct references to the Holy Spirit can be found in chapter 31, verses 3 to 11, and chapter 35, verses 30 through 36, 1. When individuals are empowered by the Holy Spirit to become great artisans, through the enabling work of the Holy Spirit, these individuals' natural abilities were enhanced and expanded to perform needed tasks with excellence and precision. All right, so that caps up pretty much that introduction to Exodus, but pretty cool to actually read it after going through the book to really see and have a full understanding of everything they're talking about there. Again, just the way Christ is revealed, you know, um, the the I am passages in John's gospel, the parallels between, you know, Jesus being the bread of life and then Moses um, basically addressing it twice in Exodus with the manna and the showbread. Um, and then Jesus being the light of the world. And I love just the picture of that lampstand just burning eternally, you know. Um, and then again, we see the Holy Spirit at work with the basically the oil um, representing the Holy Spirit. It's pretty common these days that churches still anoint people with oil and um, before they're sent out to missions, for example, or sent out to open new churches. And, um, you know, God's just, again, amazing. The consistency that he displays throughout his word, throughout his being and character. It's, um, It's a real shame that more people don't open their eyes, ears, and heart to the Lord because he is the I am. He's everything. And most importantly, he loves us. He cares for us. It's why he created us initially. He created us to have fellowship with him. And it's an amazing thing when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord that bridge to God himself is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the more I know the Lord and get into his word, the more in awe I am of him and exactly who he is. But um, that's going to fully conclude now our look at the book of Exodus. But I wanted to look through at that introduction because... Again, this Spirit-Filled Life New King James Version Bible I have is just so rich and so helpful in studying and comprehending and understanding the Word. Again, I highly encourage you, get a physical copy of the Bible, get a study Bible. Nothing wrong with an app, nothing wrong with things on your phone, but we all know along with that comes a lot of other junk typically and... You know, it's nice to just put the phone down, get away from the technology, and just spend some time with those you love. I look forward to spending some time with the love of my life and reading the Word together and and just getting to know the Lord together. But, you know, even on a personal level, on our just daily lives, we need to take time, get to know the Lord, and um, you'd be amazed how revealing he is of himself in his living word. So, all right, until I return to look in the book of Romans, God bless and have a great day.